0: press calls us racists in reverse. With skillful manipulating of the press, they're able to make the victim look like the criminal, and the criminal look like the victim. Right now when, in New York, uh, we had a couple cases where police grabbed the brother and beat him unmercifully and then charged him with assaulting Ben. They used the press to make it look like he's the criminal, and they're the victim. This is how they do it. And if you study how they do it here, then you'll know how they do it over here. It's the same game going all the time.
1: So we've, um, we should talk there. And when something like this happens, and the headlines are full of Gaza, 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 Hamas, 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 Palestine, 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 some people who are following or, you know, people of conscience, they may be embarrassed to ask, <laughs> you know, what is the Gaza Strip? Uh, who is the resistance? What is, uh, what even is this place? And I think uh, it's worth just, let's just, let's just give some, some of this background here too.
0: Absolutely. I mean, Donna Merch had a piece about um, where a, a, an excellent anti-racist scholar in, in the States talking about like the way that racism works is through the way that it makes in the U.S. people live in, an eternal present is how she put it. Where like, and and, and it's getting more and more rapid. Like it used to be like, you're supposed to forget last year, like the Biden thing where it's like, we are really concerned with Muslim human rights because it's China or something, but it's like, so Fallujah and Abu Ghraib didn't happen or that was a long time ago or what's, and and like now it's split screen. Like we support people, (laughs) we support a government who idolizes the massacre of the Ibrahimi Mosque prayers in, 1994, and now attacks and, Al-Aqsa, screaming right. death to the Arabs, whereas right. Israeli, it was, it was Israeli security forces who attacked the Al-Aqsa Mosque, the third holiest right. site of Muslim worship. But in anyway, my point is that um, we really need to just have our own frame of historical reference, because what they're saying is just nonsense, and this rolling nonsense. Anyway, so I think we'll be fairly brief, but... I'll just start very briefly by referring, this was going to be, by the way, the fourth segment, but we've shuffled it around a little. We had referred to the scramble for Africa, which is hard to put a date on, right? And kind of what happened without minimizing the enslavement from centuries, since like the, I guess, 15th century, was that in the late 1800s, european colonial expansion picked up with a vengeance like never before yeah so and, a, and agree- in a way
1: it's like the scramble for everything it's like the, they yeah, were scrambling exactly. for china they were scrambling for the autumn you know ottoman empires yeah
0: yeah and i mean and by world war one um we, anyway i don't i don't think we should get into like the wider world struggle for white supremacy but it's certainly part of it as as everybody who was writing at the time described it all so Palestine. so by World War One, the scramble for Africa was still happening, is my point. By the 1920s, the scramble for Africa was still happening. The establishment through the League of Nations of the mandate system had to do, among other things, with the South African I mean, proto-apartheid government's establishment of spheres of white influence, right? Like that was happening. And it was not in parallel or connected. Like it, The same personnel the same arguments were used as West Asia, which is to say the area of the, like the Europe's Middle East or, including Palestine in any event, was occupied by British troops. So by that point, it was an overwhelmingly, you know, again, holy land, important historic Jewish community, significant Christian community, overwhelming Muslim-Palestinian majority, just demographically speaking, Britain occupies it and says we're going to make this a we're going to make this a Jewish settler colony. The arguments line by line were the, the arguments for settler colonialism, and I mean I, I don't say that in a the funny thing is funny. This is all very serious, but the irony is that the stigma that was attached to colonialism came with the anti-colonial movements after World War II, right?
1: Right, exactly, days, exactly. White colonialism supremacy was is...
0: very prestigious. Yeah. So the idea it's in the, the
1: British—it's science. It's it's advancement. It's progress. It's it's doing. It's good is, for everybody. Su- like, You're developing need, these underdeveloped people. not white people.
0: supremacy, the Muslims are going to be enslaving blacks. That's right. White supremacy is humanitarianism. It is culture. Yeah. It is love. It is light. I mean, it is it, yeah. everything. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing, and it's a beautiful thing in Palestine too, but like. The the way that these arguments were framed had to do with the claiming of the moral high ground and the biblical resonances around occupying Palestine were useful, but so too were this is a way to, I mean, one point that I'll briefly mention is Churchill has an extraordinarily anti-Semitic piece saying the way to break the back of Jewish support for revolutionary socialism is to not only support as we are the people who are butchering Jews, in the Civil War in Russia, but also to then give them the Zionist option and push Jews into support for empire. I mean, his Je- his Zionism versus Bolshevism, a soul for the- a war for the soul of the Jewish people, or something is like. Anyway,
1: and he's the he's the Jewish people's best friend, right? He's one of, these, to, like, one of these one of these characters was... that gives advice to people that he hates. <laughs> like...
0: Yeah, I digress. In Palestine. The argument was, we'll get rid of, we'll get rid of, we'll find a happy outlet for Jews in Europe who we don't want in Europe. A main thing in Britain was we don't want uh, East European Jewish immigration here. We'll send it there, same everywhere. And the argument that this will be another settler colony like Canada, like New Zealand, they were like the far right Zionists described themselves in terms of dominion politics. Jabotinsky supported the idea of the establishment of a Jewish dominion a Jewish dominion league modeled on the white settler states of the British empire was established. The idea was we've taken Palestine, but we don't want this new thing that's happening where you're working through native um, intermediaries saying this is trusteeship for them to eventually under white tutelage get self-government. We want this to be the old settler model. And systematically the Zionist movement was most successful in countries like canada like belgium where colonial politics were strong with the direct support of south africa and again you have to remember that white supremacy then these were open points of reference because these white settler states were very prestigious again yeah, this all, is the period it's all taboo time when,
1: now it's all taboo yeah. and it's all like yeah it's that trick we've talked about with history where Nobody ever talks about it in any history curriculum, and then you, you know, uh, thousands of people go and read for themselves and dig it out, and then they, they kind of present it and say, "Oh my God, can you believe this?" And the historical profession is like, "Oh my God, tell me something I don't know."
0: But which is really important. I mean, we'll we'll come back to maps in a minute, just so people get a sense of the details, and I think this will be a fairly short segment. But the way propaganda works is in our society through a very explicit argument that a select group of cultural managers should have the actual philosophical thought about the world, and then useful lies should be fed to people. I mean, if people want to look at William Galton's liberal purposes, uh, William Galton having been on the right wing of the US Democratic Party, part of the, you know, Clinton administration's commission for civic renewal, he's openly saying we need to lie to comp. Anyway, the lies are lies, and the, and like resistance has to do with refusing nuance and originality, but saying, no, the basic things that you're denying, we have to insist upon and popularize an understanding of. For example, do you want to call up the Sex Pico map? So again, as they're carving up other areas of Africa, they're taking more during World War One. This is the um, one proposal between the French and the British about how they could carve up the area. Do you want to just show people where Palestine is. Now, the question of how this worked in the pre World War One period in terms of the Ottoman administrative divisions and like early national identification and all of that, that's a bigger question. For now, just note that this is the area we're talking about. And um can you just like with your cursor show the Gulf of Aqaba at the south of Palestine? So there's Palestine, there's the Gulf of Aqaba. And anyway, we'll we'll show you more maps in a moment, but this is the area that's then taken and the division of what becomes Palestine is the next map. So this is what's declared in 1922 as the British League of Nations mandate. It is, this is again, this is the Ottoman administrative divisions actually. Do you wanna just go down? So this whole area Extending further south is the um, Palestine Mandate. Justin, do you mind tracing the borders of what's called the West Bank and the Gaza Strip? So there's the West Bank. And there's the Gaza Strip. So what happens is 78% of the area that was occupied by Britain, splitting the Arab world in two, is occupied in the 1948 war by Israeli paramilitary forces that then become the Israeli army. The areas, the 22% of mandate or historic Palestine that is not occupied by the, by the pre-Israel Jewish settlement, the Yeshuv, is the, um, anyway, the, the remaining parts are the West Bank and the Gaza Strip, which until 1967 are under Jordanian and and uh, Egyptian control, respectively. Do you want to? You heard that, Justin. Was did I rush through? it? No,
1: no, I don't think I don't think you rushed through it at all. But I did want to say one thing. Uh, maybe just scrolling back up, uh, uh, admittedly rapidly, to here, which is that this was uh, British imperial geopolitics in terms of splitting the Arab world. And, and partitioning the Arab world and looking for looking forward to a future where um, they wanted to prevent nationalism in the Arab world from taking a kind of unified form so partitioning most
0: significant yeah. So continue
1: just that just, so like you most know
0: significantly one of the huge things in British Imperial and French Imperial history was the development of the Suez Canal so the argument was that having this loyal base of settlers next to Egypt meant that if Egypt, and we, and we still see it today, like this was a settler model. You can, empire would have settlers which would fight on its behalf. So if anything outside of Western interest happens in the region, they'll fight in alliance with the West. Right.
1: So this takes us to today. Um,
0: and, and, and what, you, so again, Seven to 800,000 or so Palestinians are expelled from their homes or otherwise displaced in the war of 1948 to 1949 that establishes the state of Israel, which is to say the community that was built up by British power seizes political sovereignty over most of historic Palestine. One of the model that then develops after Israel occupies the whole of historic Palestine in 1967, is taking as much land in this area as it can and concentrating Palestinians into denser and denser enclaves. So the Gaza Strip is the densest of the enclaves. Israel doesn't really want the Gaza Strip. Israel wants the Palestinians that it's expelled into the Gaza Strip I mean, I, I hate to say these horrible things, but, you know, Ben-Gurion was like, he dreamed of it washing into the sea. Like, they just, they want rid of these people. And it's in that sense that there's this exterminist language that, I mean, right. unfortunately, I, I, Ben-Gurion... Yeah, I mean, and
1: there's one thing I want to say about settler colonialists and racists and oppressors generally is, I don't believe they want to get rid of these people. So there's a whole thing about how they want to get rid of them. They want, you know, they want just them to stay in Gaza, whatever. But they control every element of every person's life in Gaza. And uh, they, you know, like details, right? Like incredible, there's incredible surveillance um, there's incredible detail of like every every person. They have a database on every single person. They know where everything is. They bomb whatever they want, um, and they detail how much food they get. They detail medical supplies. They de- you know they they detail every every little detail.
0: Detailing medical supplies means um, no vaccines. Dense population. Right. Destroy your buildings. Right. Kill your doctors. Right. That's right. They-,
1: kill, they killed the head of the. They did indeed. The. Um, covid effort a couple of days ago. So the my point is a pr, uh, um, like as a matter of like whatever you want to call it settler psychology racist psychology mm-hmm. racists are actually obsessed with the people they're racist against. So as much as they're always talking about contempt and and how they want to get rid of them, they absolutely uh, are obsessed with them mm-hmm. and uh, culturally obsessed with them and they will never leave them alone. Yeah. And like if, if there were, if they were to say, you know, people, I've even heard people say like, oh, why don't the Palestinians just give up and leave? And it's like, if they left, Israel would follow them. Or,
0: if Israel yeah, took follow, I mean, West Bank and Gaza, it would other... go to
1: Lebanon and Syria. If it, you yeah. know, if Lebanon and Syria were conquered, they would move on to Iraq and Iran. So they have no, there's no, there's no like satisfaction for this kind of uh, colonial project. Right. There's no, there's not, there's no such thing as enough.
0: And, and in that sense, the racism is very versatile. Like it went, um, you know, Mm-mm. they would have like Kahana's position was that you should expel and kill everybody from Southern Lebanon too, as they continue to try to do. Can you, can you go one more map down though? Oh, cause I think this is the key sure. one for people who just like, are like, what the hell is God's Sure. This one or no an, one, an, one more down and here one. is ah yes okay so extending de- so so again you can note that the way that the um the way that in the nineteen fifties that after the Israeli state's establishment with the mass expulsion of the Palestinians that this project was often pitched for geopolitical purposes is from Haifa to Elat we can we can like have a we have a Western controlled Western allied split. Between like through the Arab world that can make sure that anti-colonial politics do not get out of hand. You have a direct corridor from the Mediterranean to to Africa through us. And um, in any event, you'll again see there on the far left, the like all these the areas that are uh, darker are within this shaded hole of historic Palestine, the areas into which the native population has been crowded and are being attacked. So part of what's distinctive about this month is the Kahanist argument that assaults on and killing of Palestinian citizens within Israel, not just in the West Bank and the Gaza Strip, have been um, realized uh, to the cheering of open Kahanists like, like, like Smotrich and like uh, Ben Gvir. And if you can just, again, circle where the Gaza Strip is. So this, this is the area one of the most densely populated areas in the world. Um, the population having been expelled from um, territory seized by Israel illegally to UN condemnations at the time. And since then, as Justin laid out, the obsession with attacking them has become part of, like Israeli cohesion does have to do with the wartime cohesion. And those whom Israel can attack with impunity are more than others, the Palestinians, because they're an occupied population. Again, Israel played this trick of it was breaking bones with with like you know sticks, and then it's like, no, no, no. We'll pretend you're a country and now we can bomb you. This is the conversion of policing into advanced, like military warfare, but against a, a civilian population. And it just was continuous. The this is why. So, so, so I mean, the Kibya massacre was in the in in 1953 in the West Bank, that um, Professor Leibovitz was was horrified by. But in the 1950s, like I'm mentioning this partly because Hamas was established in the 1980s. The Israelis expelled most of the population of the Gaza Strip in 1948-49. Continually bombed it. Continually did raids. The 1950s witnessed tons of raids and killings, including during the Suez crisis, major, well-documented, if people want to know the details, actually. Oddly, the academic literature is nowhere as good as Joe Sacco's book on this, which is somewhere. But in any event, right. the, the massacres in 1956 um, in Kanyunas and Rafa were, were very serious massacres. So year, the, the point is that it doesn't have to do with Hamas. This is a population Absolutely not. that they have yeah. hatred against. Yeah. They will talk about Palestinian life contemptuously. But then they'll say, oh, but it's it's their leaders. What do you mean their leaders? Anybody who's ever represented Palestinians, they hate because they're representative.
1: And they killed them so, and they jailed them. And yeah, that's, I mean, the, and, their assassination I mean, policy was to assassinate any and all leaders that arise.
0: Yeah. Which meant in the 1950s, I mean, if people like the teachers unions and the strikers against the occupation like these were people who were like there was tons of summary executions in the 1956 57 occupation of gaza and so it's continued to the area of the era of the plo and now and now now they say it's hamas it has nothing to do with these particular political organizations it has to do with the right of palestinians to assert their rights like any people with inalienable rights and israel's denial of those rights and there's no there's no two ways about it this is this is like a fight of a racist occupying power against an underarmed oppressed population to whom to whose resistance like the support of the world is really due